Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Today I want to begin about with a little quiz. Uh, anybody like pop quizzes? This one isn't hard. There's no, this, is, this isn't one of those things. But here's a little quiz for you. What subject in the Bible does God make more promises than any other? Does anybody know what subject does God make more promises in the Bible than anything else? I'm, I'm going to give you a little clue. It's not faith. It's not prayer. It's not love. It's not patience. It's not eternity. It is about giving and generosity. It's tithing. It's giving and generosity. God makes more promises to us when we trust him with our finances than anything else. And that's good news today because I think that one of the greatest fears that people have today, one of the greatest worries that we have is tied to finances. It's tied to finances. Oftentimes we worry. We worry about, is the money going to be there to pay the bills? We worry about, are we going to be able to, to, to have our job? Can I get a raise? Can I make it? Can I make a living? Will I have enough? Will I have enough food? Will I have enough clothing? Will I, will I be able to make the, make the payments? What happens if my car breaks down and I don't, what happens if I, if I have to go to the doctor and, and I can't afford the, the, the treatment or something happens and I go in the hospital? Over and over again, some of the greatest fears that we have oftentimes is, is tied to financial fears. And so today, I really pray that as we look in the promises of God's Word, and, and we can't highlight all of them, but as we begin to highlight some of the promises in God's Word, that you will find yourself free today. I pray that you will see what the Lord says, and today's message will become a freeing message to you, a freeing message to free you from worry, to free you from fear, to free you from worrying about where is this going to come from, and, and how am I going to make it? I really believe that God's word is powerful, and if we will take God at his word today, that you will walk out of here with a renewed freedom and a renewed hope in the Lord. Now listen, this is one of the promises that God makes in his word. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all of your needs, or some translations you've learned, it shall supply, how many you learn that way, shall supply all of your needs, what, according to what? The riches and glory in Christ Jesus, right? In Christ Jesus. You can follow along on the app notes as well. If you download our church app, it's free. You can follow along on the notes. They're there as well this morning. But what a wonderful promise of God. That's not the only promise. There's another promise. Psalm 37, 25 says this, I was young and now I am old. How many of you can say that? I was young and now I am old, right? Oh boy, well, how's this starting out? But here, here's what the, the psalmist said. I was young, but now I'm old. And over the course of his life, this is what he found that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Man, what a wonderful promise of God's word. What a remarkable testimony. Throughout the Bible, over and over and over again, we see that God is a provider. In fact, one of his names in scripture that was given is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, listen, you, I'm a provider, such a provider, you don't have to worry about what you will eat and about what you will wear. You don't have to worry about those things. And this is what he says, Matthew 6, 32 and 33, for the pagans run after these things. So listen, if you're running after those things, if you're worried about those things and chasing after those things, you know what Jesus said you are? A pagan. You know what a pagan was? Somebody that didn't trust in God. That trusted in idols, that pursued after those things. It says, for the pagans run after these things. But your heavenly Father, look at this, knows that you need them. So seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. What, what, is, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying what we sang about this morning. We sang about, uh, we sang about the, the reckless love of God, right? 
that, that, that God chases. He, he's someone that leaves the 99 to go after the one. That's the kind of love that he has, a, a reckless love. And so your heavenly father loves you and he knows that you need these things. So you don't need to worry as long as you know who's in charge. As, when you know your heavenly father, you see, this idea of taking God at his word and, and grabbing a hold of these promises is really all about your relationship with God. The closer you are to the Lord, the more you begin to know the heavenly father and you know his heart and you know who he is, the less you have to worry about some of these other things. You know, oftentimes though what happens is we say, well, I know God loves me, but you know what? I've struggled sometimes. You know, I, 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 I've really, I've struggled. I mean, I know that God is a provider, but I got to be honest with you, Pastor. Sometimes I, I, I see people struggling with God's provision, even people who are Christians struggling with God's provision. I mean, I've seen people that, that get an unexpected bill and, 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 and all of a sudden, man, I've lost my job or, and, and I don't know what to do and I have these unexpected bills come in and man, I'm really struggling. I, or, or maybe something happens and the roof starts leaking and all of a sudden I haven't saved enough and I don't have enough equity in my home and what am I going to do? I got to replace my roof and it's really expensive. I don't know what's going to happen. My car, boy, you know, I'm going along and all of a sudden the transmission went and I got this big, huge, how am I going to pay for this? Or something comes and all of a sudden to our health and man, doctor bills start rolling. I've seen people, Lord, how, how come we struggle? I don't understand. How, how do we struggle sometimes with God's provision? So as we, as we look at this series, Standing on the Promises, I want to dig a little deeper today into God's promise of provision. Because if you're in a place where you're struggling to meet Ensmith, or, or maybe you're in a place where you're not lacking, maybe you're in a place where God has blessed you, where things are going well, I think you can walk out of here today encouraged by God's word. And that's, that's what I pray for you, that you'll discover a freedom from worry. You'll discover a freedom that is in God's word. And as we talked about last week in the promise of peace, that when you begin to latch on to the promises of God, and if you will begin to walk out in faith what God says to do to receive his promises, that you will be able to do so with peace, knowing that God is a provider and knowing that God is a protector. So to illustrate this, I, I want to look at an Old Testament story found in 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm going to do something that I don't oftentimes do. I'm going to begin, and we're going to read through this story first before we begin today. So we're going to read through the story it's from verses 7 to 16. So we're talking about nine verses, all right? So follow along in the 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to read through verses 7 to 16. It says this, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, meaning Elijah, and said this, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there, for I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called out and said also, and bring me a piece of bread. For as surely as the Lord your God lives, this is what she says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, not her God, your God, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm, I, I am gathering a few sticks to take home to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jar of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. And for the jar of flour was not used up. And the jug of oil did not run dry. And in keeping with the word of the Lord, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This is one of the great stories of provision in the Bible. This is a great story of provision 
in the Bible. In fact, Elijah, if you don't know who Elijah is, Elijah was a prophet. He was a prophet in Israel. And in this time, sometimes you can get a little confused because uh, the, the nation of Israel had actually been broken up and divided. Under Solomon's son, King Rehoboam, the nation had been divided. And so 10 of the tribes of Israel, 10 of the tribes of, of Israel separated and they had their own king. And, and there were a couple of tribes that stayed behind. They were the tribes of Judah and they had their own king. And the, the, the line of David that continued in succession was in Judah. But there were different kings that were in Israel. And when they had separated, the king at that time, Jeroboam in Israel, did not want the people of Israel going back to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices. He, he didn't want them going down there because he was afraid if they went down to the temple in Jerusalem that Solomon had built, that they would go down, he might lose his power and reunite. So instead, he began to have a place of sacrifice, but instead of sacrificing to the Lord, he created an idol, a, a, a cow idol, a bull idol that they would bring their sacrifices to. And so the nation of Israel began to turn to idolatry. And this is the kind of time frame that Ahab, that where Ahab is king, and you might know Ahab by his wife Jezebel. How many have heard that? It was a wicked time. It was a time of idolatry. And this is the time where Elijah is prophet. And so as Elijah is prophet, what we find here during this time is, is that he's, Elijah is saying, listen, hey, I'm in a time frame here where the people have turned away from the Lord. And so God is exacting judgment upon Israel. Now, I want to ask a common question here, and that is, why does God allow circumstances in our lives where he's not providing? Why does God allow circumstances where he's not providing? How many of you can say that even as a believer, there have been times in your life where you've questioned the provision of God, or where you've seen there has been times where you go, God, why aren't you providing? Nobody wants to raise their hands. I get that. (laughs) Why aren't you providing? There are people in our world today, and there are believers in our world today that say, God, if you're a provider, I'm not seeing it. Why are you not providing? Well, I want to share up front today, before we get into some of the others, two possible reasons, and one of, a couple of them we see in this story here. Two reasons why God's not providing. Number one is this, God has been abandoned. And again, what we have in this story, and I kind of got ahead of myself, is that, that, that Elijah is in a time where the people are not serving God, but the people of Israel have turned away from God, they've abandoned God, and they've started to serve other idols. And so what happens is, is Elijah declares the judgment of God upon King Ahab and upon Israel for their idolatry. And this is, this is the judgment. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will, neither be, there will, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So what you have here is, is that God says there's going to be a drought. Uh, You know what? (laughs) Here's what's going to happen. You're going to serve those other idols? You're going to abandon me and serve those other idols? Well, here's what happened. Go ahead and let those other idols provide for you then. You're going to serve those other idols? You think they have what you need? You're going to worship them? Well, guess what? Then I'm going to stop providing. I'm going to stop providing. I'm not providing the rain. Let those idols take care of you. And Moses warned the Israelites that this would happen all the way back before this, when before Moses had passed away and Joshua had taken the people into the land, this is what Moses told them. Deuteronomy 11, 16 and 17, God said, be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. And then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain and the ground will yield no produce and you will soon perish from the good land that the Lord is giving you. This was a direct consequence of what happened when they decided to abandon God and they decided to turn to idols. It's a direct result and a direct result of abandoning God. You see, for an agricultural environment, rain was critical. It was critical. In other words, God is saying, don't call on my blessing if you're not worshiping me. Don't expect my blessing and my provision and call on my blessing and my provision if you're not going to worship me. Let the competition do it. Let the competition provide. 
And when it came to the promise of provision, we need to remember something. And here's what we need to remember, that God is your source. You see, when we abandon God to, to a sin uh, and idolatry, when we walk away from God as our provider, there are times where it seems as if God has abandoned us. But God has not abandoned us. We have to look and really take evaluation. Have we abandoned God? Have we turned to idolatry? Now, let me tell you something. God is a source, and God wants to be your only source. Listen, anything outside of God, anything outside of God is a resource. God is the source, and anything else that he uses to provide and help meet the needs that you have is what we call a resource. It's a resource. But there are folks that, that turn to something other than the source, and when we turn away from the source to a resource, that's called idolatry. Psalm 104.10, God is a source. He says this, you started the springs and rivers, sent them flowing among the hills. The wild animals now drink their fill. Wild donkeys quench their thirst. Along the riverbanks, the bird builds nests. Ravens make their voices heard. You water the mountains from your heavenly cisterns. Earth is supplied with plenty of water. You make grass grow for the livestock, hay for the animals that plow the ground. Oh, yes, God brings rain from the land, wine to make people happy, and their faces glowing with health, a people well-fed and hearty. So you know what this is saying? Let me just summarize this for you, all right? That was the message version. Let me just summarize what it's saying here. God says, you know what? The animals only drink because I give them water. The birds only, only have a place to nest because I water the earth so that there's vegetation and a place for them to nest. The animals only eat because I feed them. And you know what he says? You humans, you only eat because I feed you. You only drink because I give you water. What, what the psalmist is saying here, what God is reminding us of, is that God is our source. But here's the problem. Whenever you trust your resource instead of the source, your resource has become an idol. Your place of employment or your job, your education, your bank account, or your relationships, your contacts, you, you begin to trust in them. And, then, and, and all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, man, I, I got it made. I got this contact. Oh, I got it made. I got this job. Oh, I, I, I got it made. I got this bank account I've been saving up. And as long as we begin to turn our attention and our trust away from the source, and we take it and we turn it against that resource, when that resource dries up, when that resource is no longer there, all of a sudden we fret and we're going oh God where are you if you transfer your trust from from God to your resource and you abandon the source your resource becomes your God it becomes what controls you it becomes what you lean on it becomes what you begin to depend on emotionally and when your job is is the thing that is your source and oh your job is in turmoil then your life is in turmoil your emotions are in turmoil when your bank account takes a hit, and oh, I've been trusting, and oh, now I don't have, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? All of a sudden, worry kicks in, fret comes in, you begin to hang on more, and oh, what's going to happen? Because the problem is you begin to trust in your resource rather than the source, and your resource has become an idol. And when you turn to an idol, God says, okay, then let your idol provide for you. Let your resource take care of you. Listen, we got to put our trust in the source, Jesus Christ. Secondly, not only do we abandon God, and that's why we sometimes don't see his provision, but sometimes we don't see God's provision because God may be testing you. God may be testing you. Might be trying you. Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 3, remember how the Lord your God led you in the wilderness? For these 40 years to humble you and test you in order, that, in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you will keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You know what this passage says? God says, I let you get hungry to test your heart. I let you get hungry. I, I led you in the wilderness, and for a while I pulled back my resources to test you. 
I held back my resources because I wanted to test you. I wanted to see what was in your heart. I, I wanted to see. Notice, bread, man does not live on bread alone, but what every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. In other words, the Lord wanted to test them to see if they would trust him as the source or if they were going to be trusting in their resource. Notice he also says to humble you. You know, I think all too often that sometimes, and especially here in this country, we are so, 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 so blessed that sometimes we can begin to get a little too self-sufficient. Uh, now, not all self-sufficiency is bad, all right? Don't hear what I'm not saying. However, God is not looking for you to be self-sufficient. You're going to start leaning on your self-sufficiency. You know what happens? Pride begins to kick in. Ooh, look what I've made. Ooh, look what I've done. Oh, look at the title I have. Oh, look at how much I'm making. Oh, look at how much I, oh, I don't have to worry about. They may have to worry about that, but that's because they're just not as good as managing their finances as I am. I got it because I can manage my finances. That's why I'm, that's where I'm at. And we begin to forget God, and we begin to rely on ourselves and self-sufficiency. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to start to pull that back a little bit because I want to test what's in your heart. I want to humble you. I'm going to humble you. Why? Because God opposes the proud, but what does he give? Grace to the humble. Grace to the humble. God wants you to, to say, listen, I'm, I'm not out for your independence when your independence causes you to be less dependent on me. I'm going to teach you that you're still depending on me. Don't get too high on your britches. Don't think too much of yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself, as Scripture says. You better, you better watch because in any moment I can come and wipe out everything that you have. There's a story in the Bible about a rich man and, or a man who was a, he, he began to do well. He was blessed, farming, and he had all these crops. And he says, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to build bigger barns, and I'm going to store all those. Then I'm going to sit back, and I'm going to go, oh, wow, isn't life grand? And God says, this day your life will be required of you. Why? Because pride. Because pride. God will often, uh, he, he, will, he, will, he will allow lack to strike a death blow to your independence from him. He, he'll allow your contacts not to come through. He'll allow your job to fall through. He'll allow your, your savings that you've been saving up for to be blown away by something you didn't expect. And you go, oh God, why did you allow this to happen? And God says, because you've gotten too independent away from me. You've gotten too, you've gotten too self-sufficient. And I want to see, are you going to come back to me as your source? Are you going to see that I can be your source? That's what happened with Job. God blew away everything. To test Job. In the end, God began to give it all back because he is good. Don't think that God is not good. God is good. But God just doesn't want us thinking that we, that we are on our own. You see, God allowing lack, God knows that you're not self-sufficient. That even on your best day, you are dependent upon him. This is what happened. The apostle Paul. You know, Paul was, a, Paul was like, man, Paul's like the hero of the faith, right? Like, like we're talking Paul here, right? Listen to what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9. He said, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of even life itself. Things got so bad that Paul's like, Jesus, just take me. Anybody ever been there? I mean, it was just so bad. We, we experienced it like we were despairing beyond our ability to endure. And he said this, this is what he said, this is perspective. This is a maturity in faith. This is a perspective. He said this, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. <laughs> Man, we're talking Paul. We're talking a missionary, right? We're God, why would you hold back from Paul? God, why would you pull back to a place where Paul said we despaired even to the place where, where we wanted to give up life itself? We, we couldn't even endure. We didn't have it. And Paul turns it around and he says, man, I know why. I know why. That I might learn to trust him who raises the dead. That I might learn that he's a source and the very source of life itself. That even if I die, he can raise it to life again. That even if whatever I'm hanging on to, he just goes out and dies that he can resurrect it and say I got something better for you just ask old Lazarus right man Paul saying God let us so low 
so he could deepen what it means to trust him at a point where we couldn't fix it ourselves. I can't fix it myself. See, God will allow us to get into circumstances we can't fix, even when we, when we are, in, in, in order for his will to take us deeper on a deeper level of experience with him and to deepen our faith. You don't understand that? Here's what happens. When God begins to test you, if you don't understand that, here's what happens. You get mad at God. When you don't understand that, you get, you get mad at God. God, why are you doing this? God, I thought you loved me. God, I thought you were providing for me. God, why are you doing this? When you don't know this, you get frustrated with God. You'll get angry at God. You'll get mad at God. But I want you to understand something. God's not doing that because he wants to harm you. God is wanting to deepen your intimacy with him. He's wanting to deepen your faith. He's wanting to deepen your level of trust. And if you will keep your eyes on him and you will see him as the source, you will find that you are deeper in your walk with him. Friends, this is good stuff right here. Man, this is what happened to Elijah. Come on, when we began to, to read this in, in, in verse 7 uh, here, what's it say? Sometime later, what's it say? The brook dried up. The brook dried up. What was the brook? Well, if you know the story, you know that when God, through Elijah, had declared that there would be no rain and no drought, he led Elijah down a path. He said, listen, I want you to go to this river over here. I want you to go to this brook over here. You're going to hang out here. You're going to camp out here. And you know what? I'm going to send ravens to feed you. But now the source that he started with dried up. Now Elijah could have gone, God, why did you let the brook dry up? All of these Israelites, they turn to idolatry. I didn't turn to idolatry. I'm yours. I've been trusting you. I've been serving you. Why'd you allow the brook to dry up? But Elijah doesn't do that. You know why? Because Elijah knows who his source is. He knows who his source is. And that's what we're going to see here. We're going to see the provision of the Lord and the source. Because the resource, the brook was not the source. The brook was not his source. There was a resource. And Elijah understood that. So Elijah and the widow are going to teach us some principles about relying regarding the provision of the Lord. But if you've abandoned God, if you've been turning to other things, if you've been trusting in other things, you've got to repent. And it's time to get back to relying on God. If, you, if you're relying on God but things are drying up, I want you to see here what's going to happen. I want you to see what, what's going to happen because you can trust God in the testing that God is able to provide for you. And that's what we see, the principles of provision in this story. Number one, God's provision requires obedience to God's word. So here you are. Are you in the testing or have you abandoned God? Here's how we get back. You've got to be obedient to God's word. Listen, 1 Kings 7, 17, 7 and 9. Again, sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now here it is. Then the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there, for I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now we know the end of the story, so this isn't shocking to us. All right, we know the end of the story. The resource dries up, and God says, all right, Elijah, here's, here's what you need to do. In order for you to be provided for again, I've got another resource for you. I've got another resource, so you've got to go, and you've got to do what I'm telling you to do, because I'm the source, but I've got another resource that's going to provide for you. But see, what's shocking about this whole thing and this test that is going on in Elijah is you've got to understand the cultural stuff that's going on. The new resource was a widow, a widow. The, the new resource, this widow lived in Zarephath, and Zarephath was a city in the region of Sidon. Well, here's in the south around here, we have what's known in the south called the Bible Belt. How many know the south called the Bible Belt? Well, here's what Sidon was. Sidon and Zarephath, this was right in the region of Sidon. Sidon was the Baal Belt. Sidon was the Baal Belt. That was the, the seed of idolatry. And so this just doesn't make sense. In the natural, this doesn't make sense. In the natural, the resource that God is sending Elijah to doesn't make sense because he's sending him to a foreign land where they don't honor God, where they worship other idols. And in the midst of that, he's sending him to a widow. And you got to understand something about a widow. A widow in that culture did, was not able to provide for herself. 
Her husband was the one who was the main provider. He was the one that was allowed to own property. He was the one that was allowed to, to work and gain employment. When he passed away, the widow oftentimes was one of the most neglected, unprotected people that somebody could take advantage of. Didn't have much. So if I'm Elijah, I'm thinking, God, whoa, wait a minute. You're telling me the resource is going to be in a place where they serve and worship other idols, and it's going to be somebody that really doesn't have what we have. In fact, they, we, what we see here is, is that they had just as much drought as, as what was going on everywhere else. They were also experiencing the drought. Nevertheless, God directed Elijah by his word to this unlikely source for his provision. Let's go back. So he went to Zarephath. This is what Elijah does. He goes to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, there was the widow. She's gathering sticks. And he said, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? So she's going to get it. Okay, the water. All right, the resource. Getting me a drink. But, but look at this. <laughs> he called out and said, bring me, please, a piece of bread. And here's what he finds out. It surely is your God lives. Listen, I'm not serving him. Your God lives. I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar, a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks. I'm going to take it home, make a meal for myself and my son. We may eat it and we may die. You know what she's saying here? Hey, bro, I got nothing. Bro, I just got a little bit. <laughs> I got a little bit. I got a little bit for me and my son. We don't got anything else after that. I, I can't help you. I can't help you. I don't have much. Now, if you're Elijah, you're thinking to yourself, okay, God, you directed me here to this widow. And this widow, she's she probably in worse shape than I am. She got nothing. She's in the same boat I am. She, she has nothing. Nothing. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. He asked for bread. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. But you know what? Elijah's taking steps of obedience here. He went to Zarephath. He went and found the widow. He's taking steps of obedience here. And now he's going to be challenged in this. Will I trust the source that the resource he is telling me is able to provide for me? Or will I just leave it all behind? And you know what? Elijah says, no, 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 no. This is what my source, this is what God told me to do. So here's what I'm going to say to you, Miss Widow. Elijah, verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, right? Because when you don't have much, what are you? Afraid. Go home and do as you have said. Now this just, I don't know about you, but when I read this, when I, when I read this, the first, first couple times, you know, I've read this over and over. First couple times I read this and I didn't understand the story, I thought, this is harsh. Because look at what's going on here. He, he said, this is what he said, go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me. And from what you have, bring it to me. Then make some for yourself and your son. Right? I mean, this is the kind of stuff that gets preachers a bad name. Right? This is the kind of stuff that gets churches a bad name. You know, give, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. Elijah, what are you, selfish? What are you? No, Elijah understood that God was a source, and he understood something about obedience. He understood something about obedience that opens up the window for the promise of God's provision to be fulfilled. He understands this. So this is what he's saying to her. Listen, he's saying to her, make some for me, a little loaf, then make some loaf for your son. And let, listen, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the John of oil will not be used up, the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. This is a test. This is a test. God pulled back his provision, and this is a test. Will Elijah be able to trust the word of the Lord even when he hasn't seen the provision of the Lord yet? Even the, the resource that he is sending him to doesn't seem to have what Elijah needs. Can Elijah still trust in the source? And also for the widow. Can she trust and see Elijah's God? Will she take a step of obedience and a step of faith? Or will she say to Elijah, you know what? Hit the road, Jack. Forget about it. You know, that's why I hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more, right? And there's a lot of us that we fail the test because when this resource that comes, we don't like it. I don't want that resource I'm going to make for me. What do you mean that? What do you mean I got to do that? What do you mean you want me to do that? What do you mean? We, and we don't take a step of obedience. And because we don't take a step of obedience, we don't see the fulfillment of God's promise. 
She would not have seen the fulfillment. We read the story all the way through. You know what happens. She will not see the fulfillment of God's promise unless she is willing to take an unlikely step of obedience first when it doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. But here's what she does. Verse 15. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. Now what Elijah had told her was the word of the Lord. So she's obeying the word of the Lord. Make that connection. This is not about Elijah. This is about what the Lord told Elijah. This is the word of the Lord. She went and did. And look at, so there was food every day for Elijah, for the woman, and for her family. She didn't see the provision until she was willing to obey God. Elijah didn't see the provision, and he would have never saw it had he not been willing to go to Zarephath to a widow. It's such an important principle that we often fail to experience the promise of God's provision because we're not, we're not willing to obey what he's telling us to do. And again, this is an unlikely source. But how did Elijah learn to trust in the Lord? It happened at the brook. Because when, 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 when he was there the first time and, and God sent him to the brook, God said this, listen, the brook's going to be the water source, but I'm going to feed you. And you know how I'm going to feed you? If you read it, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to have ravens come and feed you. And if you don't understand, this is what happened. Ravens were unclean. The Israelites were not allowed to eat unclean birds. There were certain birds they were not allowed to eat. It's part of the Levitical law. They were not allowed to eat ravens. Ravens were unclean. However, God used the unclean. He used the ravens. He said, listen, you can't eat them, but it doesn't mean they can't provide you food that I can't use them. That I can't use them. God can use unlikely sources. God can use the unclean. God can use things that you look and go, oh, there's no way God's going to use that. Listen, God will turn around. God will use it. I mean, God repaid Israel all their years of slavery. By the end of it, the, the Egyptians were giving them everything. <laughs> Go ahead, get out of here. Here, take this too. It was payment. It's what they were able to then use when they were building the tabernacle and, and when they were building the instruments for worship and when they had all of that. It's also what they used with the golden calf. So you can, use it as a, you can use the sources that God provides you with miraculously to worship idols or you can use it for his glory. That was extra. Because that's what happens. How, do you, how are you stewarding the resources God's providing you with? You, 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 you ask and you do not have because you use it on yourselves for selfish reasons. That's what James says. That's the Pastor Aaron uh, version. Translation. Not really a translation. Paraphrase. That's what we like to say. Paraphrase. But listen. Listen, God was able to use that source. Here, here, you want to talk about obedience? All right, you said, Pastor, are you going to get into it? Yeah, I'm going to get into it. We're going to go to Malachi. All right, Malachi. Here we go. Malachi. Somebody's excited about that. Everybody else is like, oh, Malachi, right? Because what a, Malachi, you know, the people, were, the people were like, God, you don't love us. God, where are you? God, how come you're not doing this? And, and over and over, you read three chapters of Malachi, and you find that God says, you know, something. Listen, you, your marriages are a mess. Your families are a mess. Your worship is a mess. And then in chapter 3, he gets to the real heart of some things. And he says, listen, will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. Malachi 3, verse 8. You're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And he says, in your tithes and contributions. You're a curse with a curse. For you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. It's not a tip. I don't want a tip. I want the full tithe, right? There's tippers and there's tithers. Sorry, that's just extra right there. You tipper or a tither. Full, full tip, you know, tithe, that's 10%, uh, you know, of what, that's the 10%. That's what it is. That's been a thing all the way along. He said, that's the law. No, that was before the law. Abraham did that with Melchizedek. Go ahead and read Genesis. Before the law was even given through Moses, both Abraham and Jacob, we see them given a tithe. So that, that's not a new principle. All right, that's not a new principle. But he's saying here, bring the full tithe in the storehouse. Why? So that there may be food in my house. Thereby put me to the test. Listen, God tests you. Now God's saying the only place in Scripture God says put me to the test. You can test me in this. Put me to the test. 
You can test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, God is saying, listen, I'm going to protect it. I'm going to protect your income. I'm not going to let it get blown away. I'm going to protect it. This is not about not working. I want you to work. But listen, you are holding back my blessing when you are not walking in obedience to me. When you are not willing to trust me, when you're not willing to trust me with your finances because I'm your source, then what you find is your finances do not go as far. But if you will learn to trust me, then you will see the promise of my provision come through for you. But I don't have anything. Well, what's 10% of zero? Zero. You got a dollar? Give 10 cents. You make $10? a dollar sometimes it's easier in those it's when we start making more that we go I gotta give that much well who's your source who allowed you to get that much who blessed you so you could get that much see when we forget the source and we begin to lean on the resource it becomes an idol principle number two God's provision involves ministry from one to another. You want to see this, this at work? Here, here's where this is at work. The provision for the widow. In order for the widow to receive the provision that God had for her, she had to first minister to Elijah out of her own need. Out of her own need, she had to minister to Elijah. What did she need? She needed the same thing Elijah did. She needed food. She had a little bit left over for one meal. One meal. And Elijah comes to her and he says, listen, give me a loaf first. Bake me a little loaf first. If you will give me the little that you have and you will give, you will give it to me, the little you have first, then I'll make sure that every day you're provided for. That God says, I'll make sure that every day it will not run out. But the key is you've got to minister to Elijah out of your need. That seems crazy. And a lot of times that's what it is. It is crazy. I don't have enough. She says, I don't have enough. I got a little bit. And then we're going to die. We're going to die. And he said, listen, if you will minister to me first, if you will give to me first, then you will see that you can trust that you will never be empty handed again. This is what Jesus said. He said, oh, that's that Old Testament stuff. Here's what Jesus said. Luke 6, 6, 38. You can follow these principles or not. Give. And it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down. You know what good measure? It's a good measure in a thing. Press down. They press it all down. Shaken together. You take that back. Shaken together, right? And then poured it and running over. You know why you shake it down? Why you press? To get every last little bit that you can possibly get in the bag in there. God says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Another place in Scripture, Paul says that you, if you sow, if you sow little, you will reap. But if you sow generously, you will reap generously. These are principles. That's one of the amazing things of God's provision. And yet we see that his provision always begins with our willingness to give. When we are willing to let go and use what we have to meet someone else's need, then we find that God provides for us. In fact, not only does he provide, but he abundantly provides. Anybody ever seen that happen in their life? The, little, the widow gave the little bit of oil. She gave the little bit of flour that she had. But let me tell you, the ROI, you know what ROI is? ROI is what? Return on investment. The return on investment was great when she was willing to invest in being obedient to the Lord. And when you're willing to be obedient to the Lord, you will find that you will not lack. Why? Because God is your source and you can't outgive God. One believer was asked how he kept giving so much of his wealth to the Lord's work over and over again. He says, you know what? Because as I shovel it out, he shovels it in and the Lord has a bigger shovel. Right? Man, God is pleased when we choose to become channels of blessing instead of reservoirs. You know the difference between a channel and a reservoir? A reservoir stores it. A channel carries the water. 
you got to think of yourself as a reservoir. If God is the source, you're not a reservoir. You are a channel. God is giving to you so that you can be a blessing to others. And the more you are willing to live open-handedly in stewardship with what God gives you and entrust it to bless others and open up your hands, the more you will continue to see the provision of God because God says, I can trust that steward. Years ago, a man was building a new house in rural New England, needing water for his new home. He commissioned an expert to dig a well for him. The old well digger was seasoned in his trade, and he scouted out the property to search for just the right place to sink the shaft. Sure enough, he found an underground river, and, and and, and, and so he sunk it down and put in the well. And packing up his gear to leave, he left the homeowner with some important advice. Every day, you must pump some water from the well. If you don't, you'll be sorry. So the homeowner thanked the man for his advice, and weeks followed the well digger's counsel, and he pumped, the man was doing, he pumped water every single day, and as time went on, he began to take that sweet water that he had for granted. And so he went to leave on a trip, and he forgot to have somebody else pump the water for him each day while he was away. And when he returned, the water at the bottom of the well was stagnant. It was almost gone. And he tried pumping fresh water in, but nothing came out. So he went into town and he grabbed the old well digger and he said, hey, that well you dug dug for me, it's dried up. The old gentleman asked, well, did you remember to pump water from the well every day? The younger man confessed his neglect, and he said, well, why does this matter so much? And the well digger replied, well, the water in the well comes from an underground river that feeds the small tributaries of water which are connected to the well. Water must continue to flow through these small tributaries so that the well can receive water. And if you quit pumping the water, the ground will dry up slightly, and the underground river can't find its way to your well, and it cuts off the water supply. And the old man concluded with this, remember, the source of the water is the river, not the well. The well is the resource. The river is the source. And we've got to remember that we've got to pump. (laughs) And that is as we give, as we are obedient, as we minister to others. And the more you are willing to be obedient, the more you are willing to say, God, I will trust you in this. You are the source. Then and only then will you see that the flower will not go dry and that the oil will not run out and that you will have what you need every single day. Because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. And that's what we see, 1 Kings 17, 16. The jar of flour was not used up. The jug of oil did not run dry. Look at this. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. In keeping with the promise of God. There was a condition to the promise. And when they were willing to follow the condition of the promise, they saw the provision of the Lord. Some of you are not seeing the provision of the Lord because you're not being obedient to the Lord. God reversed the widow's circumstances when she was willing to be obedient. God promises us provision through his word. Worship team, will you come? We're laying in the plane. We see promise after promise, example after example of the provision of the Lord and the promises of the Lord to those who trust him. Some of you, you've been trusting your resource instead of the source, and that's why you are so anxious, why you are so worried, why you are so frustrated, why you get so angry. God is letting you experience lack because he is is wanting you to come back to him as the source. Some of you, he is testing you. He has pulled back his provision to humble you and teach you once again who your source is. One of the barriers for that widow was fear. And Elijah said, don't be afraid. Throughout scripture, that's what we see. Don't be afraid. And again, the more you know your heavenly father, the more you're in relationship, the more you say, you know what, he can be trusted because he is faithful even when I am faithless. One last story as we close. Gladys Allward was a missionary to China before World War II. She had led an orphanage of more than 100 children. And when Japanese armies began to invade Yang Chen, she knew that she could not leave her work behind. So with only one assistant, she began to lead her children over the mountains towards the free part of China. 
And in the book, The Hidden Price of Greatness by Ray Benson and Ronalda Mack Hunsinker, it reads this. During Gladys' harrowing journey out of war-torn Yang Chen, she grappled with despair as never before. After the passing of sleepless nights, she faced the morning with no hope of reaching safety. A young 13-year-old girl in the group was trying to encourage her and reminded her of the much-loved story of Moses and the Israelites crossing over the Red Sea, trying to encourage, listen, God led them out. God will lead us out. And she said this, but I'm not Moses. I'm not Moses. And this is how the young girl responded. Of course you aren't, but Jehovah is still God. I'm not Elijah, but Jehovah is still God. That's what it says in the book of James. Elijah was a man just like we are. A man just like we are. But he obeyed the Lord. Do you trust the promises of God? Do you trust that he is Jehovah Jireh, that he is your source? God is still God no matter what we see, no matter what we feel. We can always trust him because God is our source. So as we close in prayer, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Do you need to repent today and returning, return to trusting God as your source? Do you need to take a step of obedience in order to see his provision? And is God asking you to minister or to bless someone else, a ministry, a missionary, something that, that you will begin to see that as you begin to obey God and who he's asking you to bless or what he's asking you to do, that you will see how God uses them to provide, how God will provide for you as you begin to minister to others. That just may be the key that reopens back up the promise of provision in your life. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Do you need Jesus today? Maybe you've abandoned the Lord. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe you haven't given your life to Christ. Or maybe you did, but you've walked away from trusting Jesus. And today you want to rededicate your life to Christ. Or today you want to surrender to Jesus for the first time. You want to put your faith in Christ. If that's you today, will you just slip up your hand? I want to pray with you, Pastor. I want to trust God as my source. I need to come back to Jesus. I need to come back to the Lord. Hallelujah. Secondly, maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm really struggling. I'm struggling with trust. I'm struggling to provide. I'm, I'm struggling and I need the Lord's provision in my life. I want to pray for you today. I need the Lord's provision. Would you be honest enough to say, I need God's provision? Will you just slip up your hand today? I need God's provision. Yeah, I need God's provision. Yeah, Jesus, you're able. You're able, you're able, you're able. Father, I pray that you would stir up trust today in you. I pray, Lord, that you would stir in our hearts, Lord, a, a, a willingness to be obedient to you, a, a willingness, Lord, a, a stir up our faith that, that says, I can trust you. Lord, I surrender to you. I, tr I trust you. I'm not, I'm not trusting in those other things. If you, you blow that all away, you will have another source for me. I trust in you. You're my provider. Jesus, that's what we do today. We surrender and we trust in you. We trust in you. We trust in you. I pray your provision. I pray, Lord, that you will come through on your promises. I know you always do. It's not a matter of that, but you will stir in faith. And Lord, I pray there will be testimonies and there will be freedom. I come against anxiety. I come against worry. I come against these things in the name of Jesus. I just pray, Lord, that today we would learn that we can lean on you and we can trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's stand. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.